I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Mahani Jahangiri, and welcome to Conversations with My Dog. Today's guest is Ryan Neal, Senior Animal Behaviorist at Blue Cross. Ryan heads a team of behaviorists who help pets to get back on their paws using modern science-based techniques. Now it is an honor to welcome Ryan on the show. Namapa, Ryan. Namaste. How are you today? <laughs> I'm very well. Thank you very much. This is the first time for our listeners, so they understand, it's the first time in a very long time that I'm actually looking at my guest. And I'm not just looking at one guest, but I'm looking at two guests today in the background because we are online and also we see each other visually. Who is this in the background? This is, um, this. she's called Kit, and she's a Dutch Shepherd, and uh, uh, she, I've had her for, for two years now, and she, she's joined us today, really, because um, she was a stray, she was in a pound for about six months, and, and I strongly suspect that she's um, um, been the subject of some really inappropriate punishment-based training. And um, to a large extent, it's it's kind of shattered her confidence. So um, uh, um, it's taken me a long time to sort of work with her to build her her confidence back up. But but I, I have that sort of firsthand experience as to the consequences of the wrong approach. The wrong approach, and that's why you're here on the show to talk about the wrong approach. And I think we should just sink our teeth into it. What is, in your view, the wrong approach? Um, talking from uh, canine canine training my view is is that um, the, the relationship that we share with with pets and we're, we're specifically talking about dogs today is, is really special and it is a relationship um, of two halves so you know we, we invite dogs into our homes and and with that they bring so much you know they, they really enrich our lives so much um, and, and I believe that uh, we should honor that relationship by holding up our end of the bargain and ensuring that whilst they meet our needs we meet their needs in return and that means um, being respectful and kind and considerate with with everything we do but specifically when it comes to training and um, there's there's an ocean of of options and choice out there um, on the internet and on places like YouTube and on the kind of programs that we switch on and watch in the evenings. Um, some of them 
are still using really outdated methods, the, the kind of ways that we used to train dogs years ago that um, are about pack-based theory, hierarchy, um, or we're using um, punishment-based um, techniques where we um, use aversive um, kind of tools to give dogs unpleasant experiences when they behave in a way that we don't like. Um, and I understand through my work, I've worked for Blue Cross now for over 30 years, I've dedicated my whole career to helping animals to um, uh, really live successful lives and to enjoy successful relationships in, in, the, in the human world. And, and I have a lot of experience as to the damage that can be done from the wrong approach. And, and, and I think that people generally don't understand when they source trainers or, 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 or specialists or experts as to um, what to look for. Um, and they may not really appreciate the consequences of using the wrong kind of training. And, and as I work at Blue Cross, you know, I see these sort of um, the worst that can happen when relationships break down and fail or when, um, you know, severe psychological damage can be um, 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 placed on, on pets that receive the wrong kind of um, training with the best of intentions, because most people generally don't go to a trainer to make things worse. They go to trainers to make things better. Um, so yeah, there's there's a lot to unpack and talk about, and I'm I'm really passionate about this subject. I know you very you are passionate, and I I remember how passionate the whole of Britain was about this subject when Caesar Milan went on that ITV show years ago, and I think he he must have used that color that shock color treatment and whatever they are he, he used it a couple of times and the guy <laughs> he was about to do a tour a british tour of caesar milan and i think i've never seen someone taken down so quickly by the general british public and i'm still shocked though that these um these equipments are still available i can i can just google them and i can get shock collars and things and uh, stop barking mechanisms and things uh, online i can still buy them and they're still available here in the uk how come it's it's i think there's a misconception i think a lot of us in the uk think that because they've been banned in wales for over 10 years now and they're now illegal in scotland that we are the same and we're not they are perfectly legal here um and uh, and you you can order them and 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 have them and and just start using them and and i i genuinely believe that you can you can do damage with anything you you can you can misuse an extendable lead um and cause damage but but these are devices that are specifically designed to give a really unpleasant experience to dogs um so so yeah so for your listeners that are shocked by the fact that they're legal you know as a call to action, you know, contact your local MP, put pen to paper or write your email and, and join us in our attempts to, to get these tools banned um, because we are woefully behind Wales and Scotland um, in, in this matter. And, it's, and it's, it's, it's really embarrassing. It is embarrassing because uh, Wales has all the puppy farms and things like that. And they managed to, uh, you know, initiate uh, Lucy's Law with Mark Abrahams, you know, and all this. And that's now being well, banned. It's still other things are going on. But anyway, tell me what happens. What happens to a dog when they get the wrong treatment? Are we now talking about rescue dogs or general dogs? My, my, my real area of expertise is rescue. I work 
at Blue Cross and I've worked at Blue Cross for over 30 years. I started when I was 13. I'd finished school and run down to my local Blue Cross to, to walk dogs. But back then, it was really common to put a choke chain around a dog's neck and to take them out for a walk. So I kind of entered into that world at a time when things are really different now. So we believed that dogs were pack animals and that we had to be dominant and we had to um, overpower them, otherwise they were going to outrank us. And um, so I've lived through a, a, a period of training. Um, I'm really glad um, we've learned from, um, and and now we're really embracing the science and the, the evidence-based approach, which which um, tells us that powerful behavior change is a result of p- uh, positive reinforcement. But but obviously, um, I, I know. Um, um, through the world that, that I live and work in, that, that this is a problem for, for everybody. As I said to you before, most, most people um, make contact with a trainer because they need help and, and they're just not getting the right kind of help. And the programs are designed to look irresistible. You know, we've got people that are charismatic. We've got editing that makes um, really complicated work look very simple. And, you know, so this can be like a quick win if you follow me or if you emulate me. Um, and um, and we don't really get to see behind the scenes and we don't really get to see the the end result. And that's that's what I'm really curious about. You know, if if um, if these methods really worked, then uh, I think that we would be seeing those results. But but more importantly, I think when we're talking about um, resolving behavior problems in dogs, um, is it are we solving the problem for the person, or are we solving the problem for the dog, or are we solving the problem for the for the relationship for both parties? Because if let's say we have a dog who um, is barking at something, you can just jump straight in and use an aversive training technique and suppress that behavior. So okay, now you don't have a dog that barks, so you've pretty much solved the problem for the person. But if you stop and rewind, and before you start suppressing that behavior, try to figure out what that is a symptom of, because barking is the symptom, the root cause is the emotion. Why is the dog barking? Well, let's say, for example, we discover that that dog is frightened of other dogs, and they're using their natural communication system to say to everybody, I can't do this, I need space, I need to to resolve this problem because I'm at risk. So barking is a natural communication style. Um, Now, if we punish that behavior, then then we have a dog whose emotion is, you know, they're feeling really frightened and worried, but now they can't ask for help. Now they can't communicate with the other dog or their owner or anybody about how they're feeling. So we're stripping the dog of, of the way in which they would ask for help. And that can only be a bad thing. So um, if we're really truly understanding that we're not really um, interested in dealing with the symptoms of the problem, we're we're concerned about the root cause, and uh, we discover that this dog is frightened and that that barking is a way that they're trying to let us know how they're feeling, the responsibility is on us to understand their language and to respond accordingly. Um, and uh, the, the way that we would work with, with a dog like this is to um, uh, remove um, the dog from that situation completely and start to build on some skills I- I- out of that context. 
So, you know, if, if we're working in a situation where a dog is really stressed, um, then they're not able to learn because there's a fight and flight mode that's kicking in. There's a self-preservation. Um, if you've ever been really stressed about something, can you learn and can you retain that information? So because we understand that that's not the place to do the training, we take a break from that situation. We move away from it and we build skills out of that context. And we very gradually, incrementally start to um, build that picture back up again when the dog has the confidence and, and the ability to communicate effectively with their human counterpart. And it is a lengthy process, so there is no quick fix. But the journey that you take, I think, is beautiful because you're learning all about your friend and your friend is learning that you are there to help them to um, to resolve that problem. And in the human world, if I have relationships with people um, and they know that I will listen to them when they need me and I will protect them when they're run vulnerable um, and I will always be there, then then they will have that trust in me. And I think that's 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 what. A friend is all about you know you're not a friend if you're not going to to be that for somebody um and i think that, that there's no difference for me you know the dogs that i have in my life they're not my pets they're not there just for me to to pet and um and for me to sort of get all of the fun from them they're my friends and and i am duty bound to um honor that that relationship and friendship and and to do my part to understand what their language is and what they're truly asking for and to respond appropriately. And there are so many people in, uh, over, over the course of my career that have acquired a dog that's been quite challenging. And the journey that they've taken to um, help that individual dog overcome challenge has resulted in them having a career change and becoming a trainer themselves or becoming a behaviorist. And I just think that's a, that's a, wonderful, a wonderful outcome. So yeah, I, I could talk indefinitely about about this uh, just a little thing like for example robbie he doesn't like me opening his jacket buttons at the, he doesn't like clicks he just hates it he started hating any sound any abrupt sound like click or snap or even kiss like a little he's eight now and he's very very sensitive to sound. It's become very sensitive to fireworks. You never had a problem with that. So imagine I was going to use clicker training on Robbie. He would be a nervous wreck. It must have a huge effect on, on a dog's ear because they, how many times more do they hear? 20,000 times more. Their hearing is so sensitive. Yeah. In, in, in principle, that um, what, uh, when we talk about clicker training, um, what, what we're using is a marker that we teach the dog, you know, when we when you hear the marker, then uh, a reward that you want is coming to you. So we use clickers for convenience, but it can be anything. It can be, you know, a, a soft click that you make with your mouth. It can be, it can be anything. So, so I would say with your dog, what you could do is really gradually desensitize them to to whatever sound. Um, you're using. Um, if, if it's attached with a powerful reinforcer, it won't take long for that noise to be um, uh, welcomed, you know, to elicit a positive emotional response. Um, so so it, it, it just depends on how you approach that problem and how you're changing that emotion from negative to positive. I just, I would just want to say there can't be any positive outcome with a, 
a shock collar treatment or is there anything positive yeah in it? I, uh, it's extreme so it's it's an extreme thing to do and whether we like it or not we the the, the, the truth is that punishment does work um, but with something like a shock collar the timing the skill that you need to use um, is really high so you would need to be as proficient with a clicker than you would be with a button on on a shock collar so so um if you have the skill and timing, then you may actually um, stop the behavior that you want to. But the consequences of, of misjudgment can be catastrophic. So I've encountered dogs that are frightened of grass because they're contextual learners. And uh, when they were shocked, they were looking at grass and they were on grass. So they associated that thing with the um, aversive stimulus. So you can imagine the, the the damage, the psychological damage that was done to this individual dog. Um, and it's never worth the risk. And, and it's not like there isn't a more powerful alternative. So reward-based training, I, I, I'm really passionate about it because it's powerful. It can really change behavior. And at the same time, it develops your relationship with with your pet so why wouldn't you choose this and it makes training fun so why wouldn't you want to change learning into a fun game for your friend um, where you enjoy spending time with them and you're teaching and learning as a consequence I'm dyslexic and I, and I spent the whole of my time at school feeling that I wasn't intelligent because there was only one way of teaching at the time um, and it was really stressful and 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 I still really get anxious if I have to do like an exam or something. Um, so I, I have this sort of um, affinity there that when I'm working with clients um, and their dogs, I know it's really important that we treat every dog as an individual and we work out what type of dog they are, what their learning style is, what they want out of life. And then we convert that into rewards we use those as reinforcers um and but we make it fun if you um think of uh, anything you know an assistance dog or a police dog or a scent detection dog that training that incredible training that takes our breath away when they do these incredible feats started with a bunch of treats or a ball in a kitchen or someone's front room and it develops from that point when you see dogs work with passion is because they know a reward is coming. And when you see dogs that do things um, under duress, you know, there's loads of videos online where dogs are seemingly, you know, um, uh, displaying fantastic behavior, but they are doing it in a shutdown way. Their body language is saying, well, I wouldn't choose to do this, but the consequences of not doing it um, aren't worth considering. And they're, they're poles apart. I would... I would much rather a dog do something with heart and soul and energy and vigor and enthusiasm because they want a positive reward than to make them do something because they're fearing a consequence. And and we, we need to understand the difference and we need to, to, to talk about it and give pet owners who generally want the best when they go to trainers to understand the difference because, because they're poles apart. Have there ever been any, oh, this is so sad to ask this question, 
any lost causes, a, a, a case where you had to let go of the dog because he was too aggressive, too damaged in, in your 30 years experience? Many. And, you know, I, I wouldn't want to um, shock or upset your, your wonderful listeners, but the reality is yes. I sadly, despite um, our very, very best efforts, have encountered um, pets, dogs that are, are just too damaged and and as a consequence, they live in perpetual fear. And we know that dogs live in the moment. They can't uh, understand the concept of time. They can't know that a month from now things might be okay. And we factor that into the way that we, we care for them. And and I want this to come across in the right way, but I see um, this um, decision that I have when I need to make it a privilege um, and, and to release a dog from suffering that they can't escape is, 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 a, 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 is a welfare concern. And I'm, I'm privileged to be able to make that decision on their behalf to release them from a situation that is intolerable. But it's not before I try my very best to help them. But to say that, that, that all things can be resolved with training and with the right home is not true. Um, but with every time we have to make this difficult decision, I become more motivated and passionate about being proactive. The dog that, that um, we lose because we can't help is probably a product of poor socialization or mistreatment from owners that, that should have had a better understanding of the dog they invited into their home. So then it makes me more passionate to, to, to provide that. You know, there are puppies now that we brought into our homes because of lockdown and we must socialize them, not just because we want pets to be happy, but because we want them to survive the challenges that they will face in life. Not everybody loves dogs. So one day someone will frown at them. You know, they might meet someone that will shriek and jump. One day someone might tread on their tail. Um, one day they might um, um, see a lorry reversing, um, making a shrill noise. And we want them to have a foundation, uh, social skills that will enable them to recognize that this is okay and this is part of the world that they're living in. So you can kind of say socialization is like going to school, but it's it's more than that. It's It's a survival kit. It allows them to cope in the world. And and when it comes to to rehoming, dogs that have have, have been well socialized are emotionally resilient. They cope with change. So if their owners die, then they may grieve for a period, but they will bounce back if they find themselves in kennels, which is no place for a dog. But if they are emotionally resilient, then they will cope with that experience a lot better than dogs that don't have the same resilience. So um, Someone once said to me that a good coach teaches you to be without them. And, and, I, and I, 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 this resonates massively with me because I, I want to train dogs and work with them so that they can live anywhere and live with, with anybody. Um, and that's when I know we've done a really, really good job because we've prepared them not just to cling to somebody, but to thrive and to be um, as independent as they can be empowered to sort of make choices um, and to learn because they're enthusiastic and passionate and happy rather than frightened. Hold up. 
If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Vernon Kay. And I'm Holly Mackay. And we're here to tell you about our brand new podcast, Parenting Past the Pandemic, brought to you by Aviva. Yes, we're going to be delving into a whole heap of parenting topics from the generational gap to online safety. And some of the big topics which have come up through the pandemic, such as helping to manage our kids' anxieties and how we can affect the world they'll grow into. Parenting Past the Pandemic. Find it wherever you found this podcast. Which actually leads me uh, to my method, my method with Doga. As you know, I do yoga. I'm the founder of Doga, Yoga for You and Your Dog. And uh, <laughs> whether, whether yeah, sometimes I get a bad reputation because I've been on these talent shows and, and people think I'm lifting dogs and swinging dogs around and things like that. And it's dog yoga, but that's not the case in my class. Uh, what I'm hoping, and I, I very much resonate with what you're saying in my class, everybody comes just the owner comes to yoga because they're doing their own yoga practice. It's not the dog that is doing the yoga practice is the human that does the yoga practice. And these owners come knowing that their dogs will be off lead for a 90 minute period of time, roaming around freely, doing what they want more or less and allowed to, to figure themselves out. Now, people from outside might say, this is terrible. The dog started weeing, the starts humping, one starts doing something and the other one follows and thinks... But I tell the owner, no treats, no clicks, just water, yoga mat, yourself, focus on me. 
And for 90 minutes, uh, it's, it's fascinating what I see in the relationship, uh, what happens there, because it's so hard for the owner to focus on me when the dog misbehaves. They keep apologizing during the session. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. And I have this lady who does actually pee. She, she cleans everything in there. She goes around very quietly. She scurries around. And I say, it's fine. In this session, it's okay. And the reason why I'm doing this is because I want to see energy. I want to see what actually really happens. Who dominates who? Who, because when you do the yoga, you get a chance with breathing, the correct breathing, to draw your senses inwards, meaning the human is able to become aware of smell, taste, and also the change, the smell changes, the behavior changes, the movement changes through the breath. And the dog has a chance to, to have a bit of time out, just to waltz around and have a sniff. And I believe the most confident dog or happy socializer is the one that actually moves from yoga mat to yoga mat, runs around, does the zoomies, tires himself out, and eventually they'll find a yoga mat and it might not be the owner's yoga mat. So what I noticed, funnily enough, it's the Chihuahua's owners most of the time. I don't know why it is Chihuahua owners. Um, they might have a rescue Chihuahua and you can see them already holding their dog close to the chest. And yes, there is a German shepherd in the class. Yes, I invite German shepherds. Obviously, well-socialized German shepherds, but every size can come into this class. Everybody is in this class. It's not too many. It's about eight people, eight dogs. But you can see they're lifting and holding and, and just not relaxing into this session at all. And of course, that little dog, when, and that, that is the shocking part, is when I say to the other, you can now release your dog on the floor, that dog that they've been holding all the way through, that little dog will not move from the spot. And it sits there and it shivers. It's not right. That little dog should have the confidence to roam around, to play around, to be naughty. To This is my philosophy within a, a, a doga thing. And I, I was going to ask, am I doing the right thing here? I think doga could be a great little training material if uh, to to the whole training uh, yeah. solution you know something where owners just allow to let go yeah i agree and I, I think a couple of things that you you've mentioned on um have really made me think because i think that there is a pressure in society to have an obedient dog and i think that's a really um unrealistic expectation to, to put on 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 our pets and and i always say look you know you don't need to apologize to me for having a dog that isn't obedient. In fact, I don't even like that word because, you know, what is that? What's the connotation there? I think dogs should be, um, I think they should be safe in society and you should be able to, you know, control them and encourage them to come back under your control when necessary. Um, but I think they should be free to express themselves and to be as natural and as normal as they like. Um, um, so I think that, that there's there's a lot we could do there to help owners feel less self-conscious and less embarrassed by what their dogs do, because dogs like to do doggy things. Do doga or yoga, it allows the emotion to, the what the emotion, what's the emotion that comes up for the owner? Is it something subconscious from the past, their own childhood, you know, you know, being naughty, not being allowed to be naughty, you know, what shame, guilt, grief, grief can come up 
in yoga. A lot of people cry at the end of the session. Things are released through the dog in a way because the dog is free and they, they can let go and something, some, something symbiotic happens. The emotion, I wanted to ask about emotions. Do we project our emotions onto the dog sincerely? And does the dog absorb or feel our emotion 100%? What, what do you think about that? Yeah, the more we understand, the, 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 the more we recognize that we have more in common with dogs than, than we thought. So we're, we're understanding now that we, we, you know, we share emotions. You know, they're sentient, they're social, they're emotional. And, and, um, and as a result, they, they probably do recognize when we change emotionally. But I think more than that, um, their sense of smell is incredible. So I think they can change, they can uh, detect the, the, the chemical changes um, um, in us. Um, when you think of detection dogs, you know, they can, they can hone in on the slightest micro changes in our behavior or in our scent profile. Um, so yeah, I, I think that, that we are um, very closely bonded to dogs. Dogs are, um, are unique in the fact that they um, are more predisposed to seek out um, human companionship, even over their own kind. And I don't think there's another um, animal that will do that. You know, they would rather be with people than, than their own kind, the majority of dogs. I think that's incredible. Um, but yeah, we, we still label, um, um, you know, behaviors that um, aren't ideal as naughty. And in fact, they're probably just natural, normal doggy behaviors. So, um, but in groups, I think that, that, that yeah, that, that um, there is a huge size difference. And as long as you're creating a stable group of well-socialized dogs, then um, the result of that is probably going to be harmony. You're going to have a nice group of dogs that in the presence of some very calm owners um, are going to enjoy that experience. So I, I see the atmosphere that you're, you're likely creating in your, in your classes. I think that that would be interesting to see. I will invite you. All I'm saying is, unfortunately, it only works indoors and it almost has to be a bulletproof, soundproof room to really make Doga work because they're so, they jump up any any sound, anything because of the fight and flight system. And people always say, oh, we can do Doga outside. And I say, if we do it outside, we have to keep the lead on and we'll just, it'll be fun for us. But the dog can't fully benefit as in an enclosed space, which then is difficult also for rescue dogs who have been in kennels. So it brings up all sorts of things, but there's ways to work around it. And there's always one-to-ones. What is your message today? And I know I will get you back on the show because I have a billion questions, but what is the main message today? The, the, the main message, yeah, is, is, is for, for anybody listening that's, that's in a situation where they're struggling with their pet's behavior is to um, switch off the telly and don't Google. Um, um, and there's a wonderful organization called the ABTC, and that's the Animal Behavior Training Council. And they will make life really easy for you because if you go on the website, they will put you in touch with a, an ethical, reward-based trainer, behaviorist in your area. Um, and I wouldn't hesitate to make contact. Um, if, you're, if you're thinking... I've got a problem that I'm worried about. I'm going to leave it for a month and see how it goes or leave it for another month and see how it goes. You may find that that habit is getting more established and therefore harder to overcome with training. So be proactive and reach out 
Um, there's no such thing as a silly question. Um, we're, we're all um, here to help. Um, and also the, the Blue Cross, you know, we have a, an amazing website full of information that can help um, put owners on the right track. So that, that's my my message is, is there's a um, an appeal to watch something on telly um, and to feel like it might be worth doing because of what these programs promise. But to be um, um, be curious about that and 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 to not be pulled in and um, and to recognize that reward based training will take longer, but it's definitely more rewarding for for everybody involved. Um, and it's an investment in your relationship and your future together. Um, Kit, my dog, you know, she um, she's been crushed somewhere along the line by somebody that's done something to her so horrible that despite living with me uh, and my world revolves around her and I'm a reward-based trainer, there are, there are flashpoints where she feels like she's going to get hit. And it breaks my heart because um, um, uh, something's happened to her to make her feel that way about being in, in the company of people. So I, I will do everything I can to, to, to help her but I, I would I would love to prevent other dogs from from getting to that point, and we're only going to do that by um, sharing education and and pointing people in the right direction, so that they can make a better choice for their for their pet. Oh, gosh, this has been so educational and it's just the tip of the iceberg because i have a billion questions thank you so much for enlightening us about the googling i think that's so important stop googling and googling and googling and googling it's the same thing when you have some kind of you think you have a disease and you google it and it gets worse and these shows we have to take a little step back it is after all a lot of editing in there take it with a pinch of salt i think it's very important that is not training this is not training it's an entertainment program that's it just taking a step back and understanding that i think yeah. is so important yeah and 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 for me it's not even entertaining because because yeah I'm, I'm watching programs where dogs are suffering um and being massively misunderstood um and i i just hope that that tv producers that make these decisions do a better job and create programs where we can be inspired by someone showing us how to enhance our relationship with dogs and I, I know i would really welcome um when that when that happens absolutely and we want to see you on tv sometime as well with your show <laughs> i'm already waiting for it yeah speak to my Who agent knows? yeah <laughs> yes absolutely absolutely i bow my head uh with gratitude for all your hard work and all your kindness that you give to the animals a big nama paw thank you and very much i hope to have you back on the podcast. Thanks for listening to Conversations with My Dog. If you're listening on Apple Podcast, then please leave us a review and a five-star rating. It helps others to find us. And talking of spreading the news, please tell another person about the podcast and help us reach more people and dogs. We'll be back with another episode, same time, same place, next week. Namapaw. 
jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.